By the time you hear this podcast, you'll know the power of goodbye and you'll want to take a holiday just to express yourself. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. Question mark? <laughs> I read the card, man. I read the card. <laughs> and we're back with another episode. This is episode 98. Um, the first edition of Game Day. You got a lot of nerve with the got a lot of nerve calling up here this time of night. <laughs> Hold on, I got to answer that. Okay. So, of course, it was a wrong number. <laughs> We're looking for Johnny's Pizza and Subs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, episode 98, uh, the first edition of NFL Game Day on the PlayStation. That's taking it way back there, buddy. Yeah. You think <laughs> they'll put that on the Cl- the PlayStation Classic that's coming out? <laughs> I hope not. I'm thinking of my that game was. It, it was good unless until you tried to create a player. Yeah, like Hold your on, so player was always trash. Was that the one with Terrell Davis on the cover? That was the one with. I think so because I think the very first one, Game Day '97, that was the first one which had Moose Johnston on the cover for some reason. Uh no, Game Day '98 had. I think it was Terrell, Terrell Terrell Davis. Who played? Who was number thirty six for the Steelers back then? Oh, Jerome Bettis. Okay, yeah, so Jerome Bettis, although it had – oh, wait, that's just something someone put on there. Yeah, it had Jerome Bettis. Okay. The bus. Oh, I remember this Maybe now. Terrell Davis was on Game Day 99 then. We have come a long way um, in sports video games. Game Day 99 was Terrell Davis. Okay. Yeah, I think that's I, I think the they one stopped at 2001. I'm not sure. But once, like, Madden <laughs> just took over. Yeah. And uh, NFL 2K almost caught him. Almost. Almost caught him. Until they snatched up that license. 
EA is ruthless, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I remember the creative play. That's why I remember I had this one. But the creative play. Yeah, on Madden. No, on um, Game, Game Day. Day. Mm-hmm. But the creative player. On I never Game tried Day that. Was, was always trash. Oh, for real. Like you could create a quarterback. He never had an arm. <laughs> he couldn't move at all. <laughs> like I'm not expecting to run all over the place, but at least try to try to dodge a sack or something. Yeah. What was their version? Was it college game? What was that their version of the um for college football? Yeah, because they had I think a it was college... called College Game Day. Was it? Let's see here. Because they worked with ESPN until EA Sports got a hold of them, I think. Because I think uh, their with their college game day, uh, they have like Peter Warwick or something. Oh, 989 Sports. 989 Sports. That's who was making the college game football. games. Game Breaker. That's game Breaker. Yeah. Game Breaker. Who was on the cover? Uh, let's see. NCAA. Game breaker. I know we really haven't introduced the podcast, but whatever. We hey. haven't done this for like three weeks. So. This is what we like, people. <laughs> this is what we, <laughs> we like. We like talking about other stuff too, a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Okay, so the first, I don't even know who this was. Who was the uh, running back for Wisconsin number 33? Ron Dane. For 2001? Okay. Yeah, he just won the Heisman. Oh, okay. This is why this man was on Stump the Schwab, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even looking. I swear to God, I'm not He's even not looking. looking. Who is this on number three? This had to be, oh, God. Um, Who's it? Uh, number 28 for Miami in 2003. That is Portis. Yes, Clint Portis. Portis. I knew who it was. I just could not think of his name. Okay. This is pretty cool. These, these Game Breakers um, who else graphics they got? actually looks pretty good. I know they didn't, make, they didn't make too many of those. Who else they got? 2002 was, um, this had to be Mike Vick, number seven. Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech. Yeah. yeah. Mike Vick. Uh, 2004. There was a 2004, number five running back for Penn State. Larry Johnson. Yeah. All right. Did they go to 2005? Probably not. No, they didn't go to 2005. No. Nah. So there was no Game Breaker 2003? That 2003 was um was Ron Dane. Oh, Ron Dane. Yeah. 2003? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Game Breaker 2003 was... Oh, no, no. That was Clinton Portis. 2001 was um, Ron Dane. And 2002 was Michael Vick? Yeah. Was there a 2000? I think 2001 was. Oh, God, there was. Um, number 18, UCLA quarterback? Cade McNown. Where the hell is he? I've never even heard of this dude. He was like <laughs> the next, like the next big thing because he was a left-handed quarterback. He went to UCLA. He's supposed to be as good as Aikman since he went to UCLA too, or something like that. There was a game breaker ninety nine. <laughs> who's a, who's a game breaker? I 99? can't even. The picture's so bad, I can't tell what uniform it is. All right, let me see if it I can. Looks pull it looks like up. it might be number seven for Nebraska, but I cannot tell. If it's number seven for Nebraska, it's there's an N, but I can't tell if that's Nebraska N. But I think it is. If that Nebraska is was actually good back then. Game breaker ninety nine. That is current Nebraska coach Scott Frost. Oh God. Okay. Let's see if there was a ninety-eight. There was a ninety-eight. Uh twenty-eight Florida State. That's work done. Oh God. Okay. Yeah, I think that was the first one. So they've been making these since nineteen ninety-eight. 
back when instead of the rating E, it was KA. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, only only eighties babies will get that. <laughs> All right, so uh a little nostalgic video game talk here on the podcast. But like I said, it's been three weeks. Yeah. And um, we used to play these games, believe yeah. it or not. Well, I didn't play I didn't play Game Breaker, but I did play Game Day. Yeah, I played Game Day and Game Breaker. I remember I didn't play Game Breaker though until I got a PlayStation Two. Um, I played the college football game that was on the Sega. Okay. Um, I liked playing with Colorado a lot. That's how old the game was because they they had Cordell Stewart and Rashawn Salam, oh. rest in peace. But uh, yeah, that's who I like playing with because. I liked running the option. Okay. I like running the, the the triple option. Like it was a legit triple option. Triple really? option. You I wonder how many people back. will know who Cordell Stewart is. <laughs> yeah, uh, he would get treated like Lamar Jackson's being treated now. When did what years did he play for the Steelers? It was like ninety five to at least two thousand two. Because mm. he almost took him to a Super Bowl. Yeah, he did. He was, and so I, and just to kind of give people an idea of what black quarterbacks meant to young kids back then, that was the only quarterback we talked about. Yeah. It was Cordell Stewart. Like, we all knew who Cordell Stewart was. I think some people, like, and your, your parents would say Warren Moon. Yeah. Your parents would talk about mm-hmm. Warren Moon or Randall Cunningham. Yeah. <laughs> but for, for kids discovering sports or, or the sports consciousness. Did you say 95, 2002? Yeah. Man, sit down. <laughs> I just guess. I just guess. Because I know, like, he played when they, they went to the AFC Championship. They lost to the Patriots. I know he was their starter. And it's like, okay, he might have been there one more year. And then they cut him. That was the year he made the Super Bowl. Oh, one. He made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. And yeah, because he almost won MVP, I think. He was Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I know. AFC. Yeah. AFC Offensive Player. But of the 2002, year. though, like, I think they, I don't know if they cut him or he got hurt or something, but they had to bring in. As uh, one of our old row mates, Mike Odom would say, "XFL MVP Tommy Maddox, <laughs> <laughs> the the XFL, Tommy Maddox, oh the XFL MVP Tommy Maddox, because oh, he's the only one in the history of the league." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh man! Um, huh. All right. But if you haven't turned the podcast off yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's listened and downloaded so far. Uh, we're not on Facebook Live for this one, but um, thank you everyone for listening so far and downloading. Um, if you want to uh, tell people where you can find us by the time you hear this uh, on Facebook, just search facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Also, by the time you hear this dot com, uh, I know I need to update it. I'm I could, like, I'll, I'll update it. Okay. I think I can try. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> You just need to post the episode. Okay. Yeah. Just post the episodes that, that are missing. It's a lot of them, though, I think. Okay. But uh, you can go there to listen to the episodes. Also, um, <clears throat> we're on Instagram. If you want to get with us on the gram, we're at by the time you hear this spelled with the, well, the URL and the website are spelled with the word you, Y-O-U. If you want to get with us on Instagram, we're at by the time you hear this spell with the letter U because we're under the control of Democrats. Flip the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're urban too. We're urban. Yeah, we're also urban. Yeah. Yeah. 
not too bad to be under the control of the Democrats, nah, considering not. that I am one. I don't know about Ben, but I am one. I am a, well, so it's funny because. He's a liberal conservative, I'm, whatever that well, means. I'm, I'm not <laughs> as, I'm, I'm more of a moderate, whereas Kendra, Facebook has her defined as a conservative, and she doesn't understand why. <laughs> and I was like, because, I'm like, because you're moderate, you're centrist. I was like, you're not as like. You don't go as left as I can go. Like I can go real, real left. I was like, you're not as left as me, but you're not. You're also not like you know a Republican. You're centrist. So to you know to Facebook in this day and age, that means you're conservative. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how it goes right now. <laughs> okay. Um, I wonder what that you heard about the girl who, uh, the black girl who said she was a Republican mm-hmm. and then she was supporting Trump. And she started posting these text messages that her family like disowned her. Oh, so she started a GoFundMe, and she made like a hundred and fifty thousand. And I did not hear about this. Yeah, and she start she she started flexing a little bit on the internet. Oh God, she uh, she posted a screenshot of her ordering her the new iPhone, and <laughs> we can't save money, regardless of what party you with. We can't save money. Um, how old was she? She's like 22, 23. Oh, so she's not like a kid. She well, I mean, kids can't vote anyway, it doesn't matter, but huh, okay. Some it depends on who you are. Like, do you think that she's scamming or that the Republicans who donated, if they were indeed, uh, were just dumb? Probably. I would I mean, hey, it's you know, I've always said, and I don't care if people can disown me, man. If you put enough zeros behind a one or a two or a three, I might go on Fox News and say anything. I'm just saying, like, you come up to me and say, you know, name but she, your... Pr- but she said, like, ah, look at all these dumb Republicans giving this, giving me this money. Oh, then, yeah, she definitely finessed them. Yes. That sounds like a finesse. And I would finesse Fox. I would get my money. Do you think it's a crime? <laughs> to... Nah. No? <laughs> you know what? This is going to sound really bad and partisan, but because <laughs> they are Republicans, nah, nah. I mean, it's not. It's not nice. <laughs> it's not a it's nice not thing nice. to do. You know, you don't want to dupe them. I'm sure they had the quote unquote best of intentions, but you know, I'm not gonna fight it. Yeah, but that's what we. You know, it's all like I don't. I don't think that Stacey Dash believes half of what she says. I think it's all a fin- and I can't believe I'm saying finesse. I sound like I'm a, a teenager. Um, it's all a scam. I don't believe oh, I that. Thought you've been listening a lot of Bruno Mars, but anyway. props, props. Uh, (laughs) um, but i mean like it's all it's gotta be like you know they probably come to you and say hey we need someone who will go against black people and they're like but i believe all these things they're like but you know we really need someone to come on tv and say like but i don't agree with what you're saying like we'll pay you 20 million dollars like well you know i guess i can say a few things and just announce them later and it's just like, yeah, see, that's the spirit. And just announce some li- like that episode of the Boondocks, where you find out that like everyone's just it's like a big tour, and they just take turns. And Ann Coulter actually dates black men, and that was one of my favorite episodes. It was great. Have you seen <laughs> you've seen the episode, right? Yeah. Okay. She's like, can a bitch get some hot wings up in here? I was like, oh, that is true. And you had um, what Rollo Goodlove, who was essentially Jesse Jackson. Yeah, that was yeah. Good. that was a good episode. That was a very good episode. I miss that. We I we need that show right now. We really do. Aaron Magruder. 
I don't know what you have to do because <laughs> it, 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 it was your creation. We'll tweet we need you to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was even funny. And I, God, this is a lot of political talk. I'm watching Black Bush yesterday. Oh, yeah. And I, saw, I, was, I, was, I watched that too yesterday. And was yesterday I was, or Tuesday. For some reason, I'm like, it's really funny how many things he's doing that feel like Donald Trump could do them at any minute. <laughs> <laughs> like the press conferences, I'm like, why do I feel like this is we're watching a Donald Trump press conference? Not to get that all. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. It's like, that's why I'd like to call on you. Like, that's what Trump just did to some people. Yeah. <laughs> no, I shouldn't have called on you because you're trying to distract people with the war, <laughs> with the caravan. With the... Yeah, I feel like this. that's what he's going to do. Like, he's... No, 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 no. It'll be more like, see, that's why I'll call on you because you asked the questions about Russia. <laughs> but we talk about this caravan, caravan. over here. I'm sorry, this, this invasion. invasion. <laughs> oh, man. Look, people. Criminals don't walk 1,100 miles anywhere. <laughs> that's a long way. That's a that's a long walk to like to steal to, to, to <laughs> rape and pillage. Yeah, America. That is a long. That's With a long kids. walk. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on oh, now. Oh God. He already did the space force though, so he already did the M A R S Mars <laughs> bitches. <laughs> Red rocks. Yay, yay. <laughs> he already did that, so he is Donald Trump is black bush. Yes, he is black bush. Oh man. Um So what we got a music <laughs> Oh real quick, if yeah. you if you want to listen to us on the go. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh you can go to um uh many podcast platforms if you have an iPhone. You can go to the iTunes, aka Apple Podcast mm-hmm. app. If you have an Android it is the Google Music app, and we are also on other podcast platforms such as TuneIn, uh, Auto Radio, Overcast, Castbox, Satchel Podcast Player, Play.fm. And if you want to search uh, search your podcast by topic, you can go to listennotes.com and search there. If you want to check out our, uh, if you search Empire Records, which is our last episode. Research Empire Records, you should be able to find us. It is episode 97, titled Joe is a Terrible Boss, because he was. He, yeah. <laughs> he is awful with his leather pants. Um, <laughs> so uh, you can search that and uh, search for several other topics. We have one about a Depeche Mode documentary, one about uh, uh, mm. if you search Billy Joel, um, we here think he may or may not be a demon um with those sunglasses to hide his true self <laughs> Every just, everyone's just asking for money man uh we talk about we talked about chris brown <laughs> aka mr finna be mean forgot about that one. so man. lots of lots yeah. of various music <laughs> topics that you can search and you might be able to find us in your results all right so let's get to the news here so um what do we have here? Uh, my notes went away. Hold on. Oh well, first one is um. Uh, All right, here we go. Lincoln Park, Bubba Sparks. Uh, okay, just <laughs> Lincoln Park. But Lincoln Park surpassed a billion views on YouTube for their song "Numb." It was for "Numb." It's for "Numb." Um, Surprisingly, for "Numb," or yeah. do you think it should? You think it would have been something else? I like, really uh, thought it would have been the in the end. Yeah, I always thought that was their most popular song, but. 
Uh, I'm trying to remember Numb. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of those first two records anyway, but definitely did not think it would have been Numb. He's like, I've become so numb. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or even What I've Done, you know, from Transformers, yeah. which was really boosted by that movie. But, you know, yeah. Uh, numb reached one billion views, which is now kind of like, you know, the thing to do. You know, rest in peace, Chester Bennington. Um so yeah, I mean that's cool. I think I read also second rock song behind the um was it Sweet Child of Mine? Uh, November, it, well, Rain. November, November Rain. November yeah. Rain, yeah. Um so you know, if someone says rock is not dead, it probably still is. It's, you know, is this is this is an old song, so you know. <laughs> it's not like Portugal the Man is <laughs> at a billion views. All right, so congratulations to um to Lincoln Park on that. Um, moving on to, you had something about the fake news of pop music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let me pull that one up here, actually. Yeah, she made um, a lot of money. Hold on one second. Pull now, this is, uh, she made a lot of money off of her tour? Yeah. So, okay, so this is the the Reputation Tour. I'm not sure what it's called. What yeah, it's called Reputation is. Stadium Tour. Um, she has been the first, so she's the first female artist since, hint, hint, Madonna. I don't, I don't know why I hinted, but since Madonna to collect $300 million with the Reputation Stadium Tour. This was reported um, from Taylor Charts at Taylor Swift, at T-Swift Chart 13 on Spotify, um, showing the highest grossing female tours um, of all time. So it looks like... Um, the wow, my lord, uh, Madonna, the sticky and sweet tour made four hundred and seven million dollars. She has the top two. <laughs> um, the MDNA tour made three hundred and five, and then the Reputation tour made three hundred and four. Behind that one is Celine Dion's Taking Chances tour, Beyonce Formation World tour, Taylor Swift nineteen eighty nine World tour, um, and then it looks like I think this is the one that's going on right now. The Beyonce Mrs. Carter. Show World Tour. That's the one she's doing with Jay-Z, right? No, no. Uh, that's on the run, too. That's the current one. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, you see some – and this top ten, you know, it, these are the heavyweights. You know, Madonna is someone that we're, you know, discussing today. Um, Taylor Swift, who at a young age has, you know, already kind of positioned herself as one of the most um, popular and marketable female stars of all time up there with, you know, your Celine Dion's, Beyonce's, Lady Gaga, Cher – and uh, Katy Perry, who are also on the list as well. Um, so, you know, kudos to her. Um, I'm sure she's got some. <laughs> yeah, because I know the album did not do as well as she wanted to do. So, But she's made a lot of money off the tour. Yeah, so that's my thing. So, I mean, I imagine she'd probably prefer tour money to album money. I don't know how much. Because, I mean, I know she's so she's at the point now. You know, with after nineteen after Fearless, her tour started getting bigger. So my hopefully, you know, and I don't know why I'm saying this for a rich person, hopefully she didn't spend all her money on like, you know, musicians and sets and stuff and all like that. Because um, I know, you know, people like her, people like um, Katy Perry, Beyonce, they tour with bands, you know. So you got to pay those people night in and night out. You got to put those people up. You got to tour bus. You got all this stuff. You know, so out of that three hundred plus million she gets, you know, how much is she taking home? You know, but I still, I imagine it's still, you know, 
better than an album sale, which, you know, everyone has a piece, tries to get a cut of. So you've heard a lot of artists, you know, because 360 deals are kind of dying out now. They, they're still happy with a lot of tour money. They can get a, a tour that big, they're happy. All right. Um, speaking of someone making a lot of money, <laughs> uh, you found some news that Michael Jackson is the highest paid dead artist of yeah. 2017. So let's see here. So yeah, on Forbes.com, highest paid dead celebrities 2018. Um, Michael Jackson is number one, and it's by um, two or three country miles. <laughs> it's not even close. So he made in 2018, and it almost makes you think, you know, were they just waiting for him to die so they could market him? <clears throat> so um, number one in 2018, he made $400 million in 2018. That's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Number two is Elvis Presley at 40. Yeah. <laughs> he made well, 10 times as much as the next artist. I, I think part of it is uh, there was this video that came out um, uh, maybe a year or two ago mm -hmm. of uh, Dick Gregory, the comedian yeah. and writer <clears throat> and activist and all that. Yeah. Um, he was talking to some people and he had this list of artists because of the this the Sony deal that Michael Jackson did. Oh yeah, they just So basically money he of. makes money off of any artist associated with Sony. Yeah. He's making money off of them in perpetuity, it seems like. <laughs> so if the artists are making money, his estate made money. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, the majority of it came from the sale of his EMI music publish publishing stake, which went for $287 million. So that, But even if you took that away, he's still over $100 million ahead of Elvis Presley, the next closest dead celebrity making money. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. I don't even know if there's artists alive that made that much money. There's no way. That's insane. Um. So, yeah, I, it's going to be that way for a long time, I think. Yeah. I guess you got, what, two kings? The king of pop, the king of rock and roll. Both probably, um, I'm sure we'll hear. We've heard all the Elvis is alive rumors. I'm waiting for the Michael Jackson is alive rumors. Yeah. I'm waiting for those to start. I don't know how long after Elvis died that they started, but I'm, I'm almost certain we're going to get, we're going to see a video like, I found Michael Jackson in South Thailand. Like, we're going to get those. <laughs> We're going to get those videos. I'm just waiting. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on to, you also had some news about Selena Gomez. Oh, I, I, that's just that's just her. She gave somebody fake news. Apparently, Kim Kardashian does this, too. She just gave a friend, mm. uh, she slipped him a fake story <laughs> about her getting out of rehab to see who would leak it. She's still in rehab, which I did not know she was in rehab. Um, but, yeah, she slipped a friend a fake story to see who was leaking stories, and they took the bait, they leaked the stories, so I'm, I'm assuming they're not friends anymore. That's gotta mm. suck. Like, you were friends with Selena Gomez, like, that ain't good enough? <laughs> mm, anyway. Um, so, hold on just a second, I was pulling up something. Okay. Uh, I just wanna get your take on this, 
before we go to the charts. Um, Ariana Grande releasing the song Thank You Next uh, hours before an episode of SNL. That's the song about um, about her, her, what's his name, Pete? About Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. Well, about, really about all her exes, because she made a reference to Big Sean. Oh, she did. To Mac Miller. I forgot she was with Big Sean. And there was one other person in there, but she made references to all her famous exes, at least. That's interesting. I, I dig it. I have no problem with it. And uh, I've yet to hear the song. I need to hear the song. I can pull up the song. Because I've liked a lot of the songs that she's released so far. Um, is has she was God is a woman on an album or is that just a single? That was on um Well this is a sample. Vox, um I need to I'm glad I'm hearing this because um what Vox likes to do is when Trump fires somebody, they take a popular song and remix it about that person. Yeah. <laughs> So this just a that was just a little oh what whatever <laughs> it's from Apple Music oh, okay. anyway uh, so she the first the first lyric thought I'd end up with Sean that's Big Sean wrote some songs about Ricky that's Ricky Alvarez she's about to come out with another album this year even almost got married and for Pete I'm so thankful that's Pete uh, Pete Davidson okay wish I could say thank you to Malcolm because he was an angel that's Mac Miller oh she really liked him. I like the song they did together. I thought they were a really cute couple. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is she coming out with a new album? Yeah. Um, this is the first single uh, um, from this album. She didn't even tour off the last one. The last one just came out a few months ago. <laughs> she even like... And it says, yeah, from the upcoming fifth studio album by singer Ariana Grande. Maybe it's an EP or something. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so let's take a look here. This really is the strongest ponytail in the game, <laughs> like, and the hardest working ponytail. Hardest working man. ponytail. I think that's that's the dude in the, the hardest, hardest working, working ponytail in the game. <laughs> man. All right. So let's look at the uh, the charts here. The Hot 100, number one, and it's been number one. It was number one on our last episode. We took three weeks off. It's still still here. number one. Girls Like You by Adam and the Levines, featuring love and hip-hop legend Cardi B. Can you imagine if they keep this momentum up going? In, like, because, well, we're halfway through the football season. If they can continue this run up to the Super Bowl, the be, they'll be red hot. The song's been on the charts for almost six months. Yeah. They, it, there's got to be another single that comes out right I before the Super so. Bowl. And, it, and then that single will probably be a, a number one single as well. I haven't even tried to listen to the album. Uh, I mean, I, I know because that's from Red Pill Blues, right? Yeah, yeah. That's got "Don't Want to Know," which isn't a bad song, but I mean, it's just they're 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 just they're Look, straight up pop now. You could, we can always go back to songs about Jane. No, they can't. No, I mean, <laughs> people can go back and listen to that. Yeah, that as a band, no, they're not going. They'll, back they'll to never that. go back. We're, they'll never we're go back lucky to that. if we get this love in the Super Bowl. <laughs> we're lucky. she will be loved. Or Sunday morning. Maybe. Maybe you get She Will Be Loved. You don't get she, We'll Sunday get morning. She Will Be Loved at the Super Bowl. 
that's, that's the closest that's we're gonna the, get. <laughs> like you're you, you're just yeah, it's yeah. So, uh, number two, tra- uh, Travis Scott sicko mode, um, helped by an uncredited Drake. I never knew he was even in there. Uh, number three, Happier by Marshmallow and Bastille. I haven't heard this song. I don't know if I have either. I think he's a DJ though. Marshmallow is. Marshmallow, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lucid Dreams by Juice World at number four. Better Now by Sirius Malone at number five. Number six, ZZ by Kodak Black featuring Travis Scott and Offset. Number seven, Young Blood by Five Seconds of Summer. Number eight, Drip Too Hard by Lil Baby and Gunna. Number nine, Without Me by Halsey. And number 10, Mo Bamba, not the basketball player, but the song with his name in it by Sheck West. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is he doing good? Is he is he playing well? Um, he's every now and then I don't think he's getting a whole lot of minutes. I I think the the Magic thought they were gonna trade Vucevic. Okay, I was or like Gordon. who's starting ahead of him, but Vucevic is pretty so, good. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, that is the hot one hundred. Let's get to the albums. Number one, debuting at number one, wow. C by Andrea Bocelli. Haven't heard from him in a minute. So Andrea Bocelli, uh, yeah, debuting at number one with his album. Number two, A Star is Born soundtrack, which was uh, number one the previous week, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. It's not credited as various artists. It is credited as Lady Gaga <laughs> and Bradley Cooper. Number three, Ballads by Ballads 1 by Joji, debuting at number three. I, uh, this He is a... Um, is he K-pop? I don't think so. I believe he sings in English. He's from Japan. Yeah, he is Japanese, but I think his songs are in um, English. Okay. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Um, Number... Four, Love Me Now by Tory Lanez. I heard one song off of that uh, called You Thought Wrong. Um, I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, though. Uh, number five, The Carter Five by Lil Wayne. Number six, Drip Harder by Lil Baby and Gunna. Number seven, Scorpion by The Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number eight, Future and Juice World present World on Drugs. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a funny name. <laughs> I think we're go- we're coming to a time where Future is gonna start putting out music every six months again. Yeah, <laughs> to stay up at that lean. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's to buy more lean. I don't know. Number nine, oh, Astro World by Travis Scott, and number ten, Beer Bongs and Bentleys by Sirius Malone. So, do you think? Do you think Drake could be a recruit on this on this um this um no wait, never mind, that's Duke I'm thinking of. He could probably be a recruit on Kentucky. Duke's Duke's a monster right now. He definitely couldn't play on Duke. No. Maybe Kentucky though. Maybe. Uh let's go to the artist one hundred. Uh he came out with an album. Andrea Bocelli is number one. Who's talking about him on social media? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Hashtag Bocelli vibes. Like. <laughs> Bocelli vibes. <laughs> they didn't even have a picture. Like They weren't ready. No, they weren't. <laughs> they were not ready. Number two, Lady Gaga. Number three, 
the perpetual Kentucky recruit. Number four, serious Malone. Do you take him seriously? He still don't bathe, so no. <laughs> no. Um, number five, the love and hip-hop legend Cardi B. Number six, the retired, excuse me, unretired 2K legends. Number seven, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> hey, he'll take it. <laughs> number eight, Juice World. Number nine, Halsey. And number 10, she should probably be higher, the hardest working ponytail in the game. <laughs> She's Italian, right? Uh, I think. Italian I have James no Brown. No idea. The, it- <laughs> the Italian James <laughs> Brown? Italian Stallion James Brown. Um, She is... I think she's mixed with a lot of stuff, though. She is Italian. Oh, she is? Yes. Boca Raton. She must have had old parents. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) She's a James Brown. (laughs) Working hard. Please stop. (laughs) (laughs) If there's anyone out there who's Italian, please don't be offended. I was... It was a Mario impression. Yeah, we'll go with that. Mario. Uh. Sure. Okay, so um, I wanted to get to this story before we go to your earworm of the week. Uh, So a story came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Chris Thomas King, uh, a blues musician, and for those who have seen uh, the movie Ray, he played Lowell Fulson uh, when Ray Charles came to Seattle. He was in his band. And he also played, he was also in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, where he played the uh, unnamed guitarist who sold his soul to the devil. And yes, he was dressed like Robert Johnson. So <laughs> you would think, oh, it's Robert Johnson. <clears throat> Not exactly. Well, I guess for the story's sake, they just made that a yeah. secret or whatever. But um, he was in uh, he was in those films. But uh, he wrote an open letter to the Academy um, to in response to what he is essentially saying is a complete erasure of his name from contention for the 2019 Grammys. Uh, he submitted his latest album, Hotel Voodoo, uh, which would as expe- would be expected to be in the uh, traditional blues, best traditional blues album category. And I've seen a couple of um, some Instagram posts of artists posting, you know, what they have been accepted to be nominated for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see a few of those. Layla Hathaway, a uh, band called All Cows Eat Grass. Uh, Are they nominated? Uh, the Foreign Exchange. Well, not not nominated for Grammys, but they are their albums that were submitted to the Academy. Oh, okay. It's like a four year consideration type of gotcha. thing. Gotcha. Some were accepted, some weren't. Okay. Um, but King says that the Grammy voters had removed his name from the blues category. And he said he called his regional Grammy representative in New Orleans, who connected him with the head of the Blues Grammy Committee in Los Angeles, who called and confirmed the Grammy Committee had removed me from the ballot because I wasn't a blues artist and my album wasn't a blues <clears throat> album. He said the decision was final. So why is it not a blues album? So as he goes on, he says uh, it carries a deep significance, this snub. He says, this is not personal. It's larger than me. Uh, It's about the usurpation of my culture. My new album, which he admitted several times, was outstanding. 
<laughs> but didn't meet the, their notions of authenticity. Oh, this is this is his letter. Okay. This is what he was told to him. Featured my popular anthem, Les Blues was born in Louisiana. Apparently a controversial artistic statement in blues circles. Clearly, the Grammy committee saw my music as an iconoclastic threat. Now in 2018, African-Americans can be banished from participating in their own musical culture. <clears throat> and this was uh, a letter that he posted on his Facebook and personal blog. Uh, he also added, it's incredulous, the realization that I've been forced out of the blues to make room for Mick Jagger. Yes, that Mick Jagger, the billionaire Englishman and his Rolling Stones. Indeed, Sir Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones won the 2018 Best Traditional Blues Album Grammy last year for Blue and Lonesome. I had no clue. The Rolling Stones <laughs> and others like them have returned to gentrify what's left of our marginal music industry landscape, proving they won't let us African-American blues people have nice things. It's cultural appropriation at its most shameless to have the world's greatest rock and roll band still a Grammy nomination away from more deserving African-American blues artists. The 2019 Grammy Awards are continuing a racist trope, in my opinion. Hmm. Your thoughts about that, Ben? Hmm. So it seems uh, every year I find a reason to not like the Grammys. <laughs> To, to like them even less, to where now I understand why, because I'm trying to, the first artist I ever heard of that boycotted the Grammys was Maynard from Tool. Then last, I think it was last year, the year before last, we talked about Drake, how he pulled his album from, um, from Grammy consideration. We might start to see more artists do this. And wasn't it when we discussed it with about Drake? I think we discussed it on the podcast. It was because it was going to be considered a hip hop album, even though it should also there was some R and B in there, so it should be considered in those cat in that category as well. I can't remember exactly, but there was issues with where it was being nominated. Like Hotline like, Bling, yeah, was nominated for best rap song. Yeah, it's not a rap song. No. I can't remember exactly, but I, I do know it has something to be has something to do with the genre, um, and so, I mean, it's I'd be curious to hear what those two would have to say, you know, because we hear what he has to say. I'd this be curious is, to hear what other artists had to say about this. I never mind, got an ad first, but I was gonna play the song, the the controversial song. Mm-hmm. So this is Chris Thomas King. Down in New Orleans, where the blues was born, you can still hear the sound of Buddy Bolden's horn. From I've never heard him. I don't care for his voice, but I mean, it sounds good. Esplanade, form a second line in, join my parade. Oh, there we go. Blues was born. It's got a New Orleans feel to it as well. Not bad. So, yeah. Um, so, I will say yeah. one thing I don't like because this is not their fault. Don't bring the Rolling Stones into this. 
Like I don't I think they've done nothing but respect the music. Now I do think But they I, I, I would I, speak I up on their behalf. I, I, I kinda understand their point though. No, if, yeah, I understand yeah. his point. No, I totally get his point. And I think if anything, what would be big of them is to speak up on his behalf. Yeah. And ask why we why we are blues and, and he is not. not. Yeah. <laughs> like I think that would that would really kind of put the Grammys as an organization on their heels when you have what amounts what amount to, you know, rock and roll blues rock legends coming out and saying like, what makes us blues and this person not blues? Explain that to us, please. Cause then I would like to actually hear them say that. Uh, he also says that um, we blues people don't have, well, let's go back. Moreover, I lobbied the Grammy Awards to re- to create the Contemporary Blues Award in the 90s. I served for nearly a decade at my own expense as a member of the Blues Committee in Los Angeles. I resigned a few years ago in protest. There were knowledgeable and influential African Americans on various committees with whom I had the pleasure of serving such as Randy Jackson and Matthew Knowles, Beyonce's father. Mm -hmm. Many African-Americans have worked to protect the integrity of the Grammy process, but when it comes to the blues category, the African-American aesthetic is all but ignored. We blues people don't have the megaphone to call attention to outdated racist tropes, stereotypes, and appropriation of our music and culture. We need intellectuals and those with strong voices and means from all cultural backgrounds to join us. The blues Grammys are in need of an Oscar so white reformation. So basically, are we seeing yet another category that they just don't get? I think so. Because we've seen how many categories that they just don't seem to get that they've screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> so we saw is them this... screw up metal. We saw them screw up. Um, well, I seen the, the category that because it's best traditional. I get blues. it, but I don't get it. Yeah, best traditional blues. I get it, but but there's traditional R and B and contemporary R and B categories, but not the way with not the same with the blues categories. I want to see who the nominees are because I know there's a category for like urban best urban alternative best urban alternative performance, and it just sounds like okay, this is black people doing R and B that doesn't really sound like R and B or that we don't think is R. That we don't think is R&B. Yeah. So, um, my God, this man is old. <laughs> Rambling Jack Elliott, born in 1931. This dude's still putting out records. Um, so looking at Elvin Bishop is still making records. What? That dude was nominated last year. So yeah, like these. Uh, I I understand what he's saying. Um, God, I guess. I think you have to get more people to to pay attention mm-hmm. to the blues because, as far as like music categories, you know, it's not. I would understand if it was a pop category or dance category, um, especially wasn't there an article that came out or some news story that someone was talking to David Guetta and basically the headline was like David Guetta brought. House music to America. <laughs> it's like, house music was created in, depending on who you ask, <laughs> Chicago or Detroit. It was probably Chicago, and yeah, then Detroit has he did techno. Not bring, he did not. He did bring. not bring house music to America. It was already here. Yeah. 
<laughs> so I'm um, looking up these artists. So, and as much as I want to agree with them, the 2017 winner was black. Um, the majority, so outside of Elvin Bishop and the Rolling Stones, every other nominee was black. Uh, Joe Bonamassa, that's interesting. He's more blues rock than blues. Um, Luther Dick, yeah, so 2017 actually had a lot of white artists. Um, Vasty Jackson was not white. Who was Lori Bell? Was black. So, I mean, like, that's... But the thing is, though, he he is being told mm-hmm. that he's not a blues artist and that he did not make a blues album. No, and so what I would want to know from the Academy is, then what is blues? Is blues Mick Jagger? Is yeah. that blues now? Because I've not heard, I did not know they were still making records. Um, but then again, looking through this entire, um, these entire, all these nominees, it's a who's who of, they're still in the league. (laughs) That's what this is. Like, I would have never known they still made a record. They were making records. Um, but it looks like it's just, it's nothing but, and I feel like this is something that the Grammys would eat up. It's a classic rock blues rock band doing covers of blues songs. So Blue and Lonesome is by Little Walter. Hmm. Written by Little Walter, recorded by Memphis Slim. Like it's just a bunch of it's a bunch of covers. There's Howlin' Wolf songs, Eddie Taylor. Yeah, there is it's, it's a bunch of um yeah, it's a bunch of blues covers. So I've not heard it, but I feel like that's something. God, how did this not make it to the album of the year, give it to the old guys? Do they because, not do that they anymore? Did, they, did, they did that for too long, I guess. <laughs> They'll do that no more. Like this, this has give it to the got, old guys. Yeah, I think now over. it's like give it to the to the most popular person on the list. Yeah, Bruno Mars, Adele. Oh God, if this but not came Beyonce, out, any popular person except Beyonce. <laughs> if this came out during Two Against One, um, their head might have exploded. Like, <laughs> oh, you mean with Steely Dan? Yeah, Two Against Nature. Two Against Nature. Excuse me. Yeah, their heads might have exploded. Like this had this literally. Or what has, if it came out with the one with uh, the the Herbie Hancock one where you did the cover Joni Mitchell songs? Like they they would have like <laughs> it'd be that meme where it's like they don't know which the dude doesn't know which button to push. That's what it would have been. Like this has it written all over it. But I would like to hear like with a story like this, I would like them to define. All right, so if this isn't blues, then what is, is blues? Yeah. And you can't just point to an album. You can't just like, oh, this is blues. No, you need to define what is blues yeah, because yeah. this is like that. So tell me, uh, what about this album that I've put forth in front of you do you feel is not blues? And I doubt they're going to say that because they're the Grammys. They don't have to. Because <laughs> we, for- we don't hold their feet to the fire. No. You know, no, not no. enough big artists. You know, like at this in this day and age, is this even the award that it used to be? You know, like. Do people still want a Grammy and, like that? And what is the, is there an award, or do do the any awards matter anymore? Yeah, like Cardi B has been nominated for like over a hundred different awards. At a certain point, it's kind of like, but it's kind of, but it's kind of like they're all running together, yeah. and it doesn't matter whether she wins one or not. And honestly, I think this is this would be good for the Grammys to respond to because in an era in an era where there are so many awards and award shows. What can you do to distinguish yourself to other than be exclusive to make yourself stand above? Because if you're the Grammy, you're supposed to be 
the gold standard. You're supposed to be that award that people, not from just the United States, but from all over the world want to get a Grammy, you know? So, like, what are you going to do to distinguish yourself and make yourself look better? This is a this is a teachable moment for them. And that's, that's what it's going to take, man. Yeah. Uh, because everything, yeah. he, I mean, like, I think he is right. I do think he's right, you know. So I would like to hear what they say. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I want to see what the follow-up is on that because it's it, it might, like, just start here. What if it goes to other categories? What if somebody tells, you know, Migos they're not hip hop culture anymore? We had two albums called Culture. <laughs> this, they did it for the culture. <laughs> they were made for the culture. One of us has a daughter named Culture, and oh, you're talking about we not hip hop oh, anymore. God, Come I on now. About that. Yeah. Culture with a K. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's get to Ben's Airworm of the Week. Tell us about it. So wow, interesting. We, we're talking about white artists, but this is a <laughs> this is a man who is considered by many um, to be the greatest country singer of all time. Um, this one was a little bit later in his career. Um, I heard this song originally on the podcast. Um, oh God, uh, revisionist history, in which Malcolm Gladwell is called the King of Tears. He does a profile on Bobby Braddock, who is one of the writers of this song, who, um, and he talks about like you know the writing style of country's writer, country writers versus surprise, surprise, rock music or pop music, and he uses this song versus the Rolling Stones, <laughs> Wild Horses, and he talks about which one is sadder and which one has words that hit the hardest, and he ultimately. It's a really good. It's a really good listen. I I don't actually don't want to spoil it for anyone who wants to listen to it. It's a really good study in country lyrics versus just your traditional standard, you know, pop or rock lyrics. And he talks about like how there's lyrics in this song that just like really hit home. They're really big lyrics, and it's a song that I really just came to like really, really, really like. And if you really listen to it, it tells a pretty depressing story. All right, so this is He Stopped Loving Her Today by George Jones. Um, Shout out to Melissa. Melissa, uh, I don't want to give her last name, but there's a Melissa I know who's a big fan of George Jones. Yeah, I didn't know who he was until he died. I'd never heard of him. Um, But he is the note, if you know American Badass by (laughs) by Kid Rock. Bob from Detroit. Bob from Detroit, yes. He mentions No Show Jones, and when he died, Kevin, who was playing bass, and the band I was in at the time was like, no show, Jones? And I was like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, so enjoy, people. All right, and we'll be right back. He said, I'll love you till I die. She told him you'll forget in time. As the years went slowly by. She still preyed upon his mind He kept her pictures on his wall Went half crazy now and then But he still loved her through it all 
Hoping she'd come back again Kept some letters by his bed Dated 1962 He had underlined in red Every single I love you I went to see him just today Oh, but I didn't see no tears All dressed up to go away First time I'd seen him smile in years Okay, we don't want to spoil the whole thing for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's He Stopped Loving Her Today by George Jones. And you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. Is that our first country song on this record, on this list? No. Oh, we had more? Okay. We've had remember. several country songs. Oh, we have? All from you. Oh, <laughs> Did Carrie Underwood count? That song wasn't very country, though. Sarah Evans? Oh, yeah. I love some Sarah Evans. Yeah, that's okay. okay. Um, There was somebody. Casey Musgraves? Oh, yeah. the um, Yeah, okay. Okay. Point yeah. made. Point made. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's a first. No, it's not a first. No, it ain't. <laughs> All right. So let's get right into it here. Um, we started the show with the song. Holiday by one Madonna. And uh, we're doing a Because Five. On Simple. Ma- Madge. Madge. Ma- Miss, Miss Jaconi. <laughs> what, Madge from Michigan? Madge, Madge from Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. She didn't stay, though. She got the hell out. Nope. She got out. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, because five songs by Madonna, and uh, if you listen to our show, you know the rules. So let's get right to it, Ben. Your first honorable mention. All right. So, um, and preface this with you know what we say about a lot of artists. I don't know about Greg, but this is one where we could do this over again, and the list might change. Yeah, definitely. Um, the only one that might not change is number one, but we're not there yet. We're the honorable mentions. So. My first honorable mention is Dress You Up, Madonna. Well, I mean, that's obvious, but yeah. Dress You Up, yes. This is from the album Like a Version. Yes. So what did you like about this song? Um, So no surprise to anyone who knows me. Now Rogers plays guitar on it. (laughs) He produced the record. He played guitar on it. He played the solo. Um... His guitar is so crisp. Um, the song itself is kind of is very simple. As there's not much to it, but like I just love the production. I love the instruments, and like I said, man, like now Roger's guitar is just so crisp. Like he's just that type of guitar player, um, and that's the that's really what kind of you know like really drew me to this song. It's just I don't know. It's just so bouncy, and that's that's now right there, man. 
Uh, interesting fact, if you listen to our episode about the parental advisory sticker, this is a member of the Filthy 15. Yeah, which really is such a happy sounding song. Um, because people, <laughs> like with that episode, we you know, it's easy to determine that uh, people heard what they want to hear. Yeah, they really did. They, they thought it meant something. Yeah. Um, we're not going to take it as about stabbing people or whatever. No. This song is about uh, cross-dressing. Yeah. <laughs> Someone <laughs> think that's what this song is about. Um. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, this song was written... Uh, by Andrea LaRusso and Peggy Stanzial or Stanziali. Yeah, she was all over with writers back then. She she wasn't the only real consistency she had was now Rogers producing that first album. Yeah. Um Yeah, but yeah, I mean like honestly, like anyone could have sung this song. Now Rogers is, is his his playing is what made this song for me. Uh this was Madonna's sixth consecutive top five single in America. And it reached the top 10 in Australia, Belgium, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand, and the UK. In the United States, it peaked at number five. And uh, on the year in charts, it was at number 98. But yeah, uh, Nile, I always want to call him Niles, but it's Niall Rogers at his uh, producing best and guitar playing best. Oh yeah. The distinctive chucking style oh yeah <laughs> i bet he played the hit maker on this one. Oh, most i think so all right um i'm trying to cue up my first honorable mention in just a moment oh that that was on the same <laughs> video so never mind all right so uh we're gonna get to my first honorable mention it is from the <laughs> I would say the seminal album Ray of Light <laughs> <laughs> but it is Nothing Really Matters uh, this might be depending on who you ask is it the best song from her album uh, it's probably one of the one of the popular songs that wasn't a hit uh, she did co-write this song with Patrick Leonard yes who will appear on this list many more times. <laughs> yes. Uh, longtime collaborator. Yeah. Uh, produced by William Orbit, of course. Who did, he did most of that album. Most production. of the album. Yeah. 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 Um, the lyrics are about, you know, having her first daughter, um, dealing with being selfish, mm-hmm. uh, basically being a mother. Uh, I saw the performance of this song I believe it was uh, it was at the Grammys, yeah, and uh, it it was clearly like the best performance of the night. Yeah, I remember that. Um, this song reminds me, uh, like the way it sounds, as uh, all the 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 New York house music, yeah, in the late '80s and into the '90s. Well, she was spending uh, a lot of time in. Well, was she yeah. spending a lot of time in New York at the time? No, she spent a lot of time I think between she spent a lot the of time in the UK. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, at, at the time of this album, I think. Um, uh, yeah, it was. It's. I just like the way the song sounds, and it's it's 
it's one of those EDM songs to where it's not annoying. No, it's not. <laughs> and it sounds really... Uh, with, with her singing it, it's a, it's a pop song, but I feel like it's one of those songs to where it can cross genres. Mm-hmm. It can cross... Uh, you know, it can be played in different different clubs, different environments. Um, I like the uh, the uh, uh, I like the production of it, of course. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'll let you know, guys. Let you know right now. Ray of Light is my favorite Madonna album. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I was gonna say. If, if, well, I mean, I know that, but other people might not. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, on the Hot 100, it only went to number 93. Uh, it was one of those singles where we already had Ray of Light yeah. and Power of Goodbye and Frozen. So I think this was the fourth single off the this album. Is, this is the fifth. The fifth single. Yeah. So people are, are already tired of the album. Yeah. As far as like... If you weren't convinced to buy the album on the first or second single, you just weren't going to buy it at this point. Yeah. And I honestly, I'd forgotten that Frozen was the first single. I thought it yeah. was Ray of Light. Yeah. Because Ray of Light really kind of hits you over the head. <laughs> like, it's it's just there. Yeah. The And the video, too, kind of hits you over the head, too. Uh, I didn't really care for the video. For this song or uh, Nothing Really Matters? For, for Nothing Really Matters. Okay. I, I didn't really care for the video. Um... You could consider that cultural appropriation, possibly. Oh, because she's dressed like a geisha? Yeah. <laughs> you are Italian, Madonna. Italian-American. Anyway. Go on, <laughs> Let me stop. What am I doing? Stop. 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 <laughs> All right, Ben. Second honorable mention. Go. All right. So my second honorable mention is, um, is this the only one that contains a sample of another song? It you know I I could see though like um, confessions from the dance floor containing samples with other songs but this one contains a sample and I just found this out I'm not even gonna pretend I knew I just found this out like a month ago that this was a sample of Give oh yeah and after midnight I knew it was I knew it was a um, it sampled something yeah, okay by ABBA for some reason yeah. I thought it was Boney M or something but yeah, yeah I had no clue and the only reason I found it out is because. Um, I was listening to this Taiwanese song. Um, he's he was an ED, like an electronic artist, and before his song, he played his song. He played that this riff, the and I was like, oh, he's sampling "Hung Up," and I looked up "Hung Up" to see if the sample was attributed, and then I saw that it was actually "Give Me a Minute After Midnight" by ABBA, and went and listened. And I love that song now, but I also love this song. Um, like this song is there's really not too much of this song i mean it's just it's more edm you know by madonna but it's just i don't know it's just a really good song and i this was the uh the lead single off of confessions Confessions. on a dance floor i almost feel bad liking it this much now that i know that it's built off of an apple sample (laughs) (laughs) but i still really like it because i think it really like the production it just works really well you know it's just i don't know (laughs) Um, yeah, I feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> um, co-written with uh, Stuart Price, and of course, you have Benny Anderson and Bjorn Oveas. Yeah, however, that's pronounced from ABBA. Um, I guess the weird thing to me was Madonna 
what she was actually wearing. Yeah, the pink leotard. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know if she should be. Is she At too old to age, be wearing that? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't know. I guess got, that was the weird thing. She's got a. She's got that background in dance performance, so yeah. That that's probably what she used to be wearing back in the eighties when she was, you know. Rehearsing for those tours. Oh, she was trying to. She was trying to bring it back. Yeah, she's like, I'm going back on tour, guys. I can still do it. But it says like she was performing the song on tour while slacklining. Uh, that's um walking across. Yeah, yeah, but it, it will like, it will sink. Yeah, like it's not like just you know straight across. That's kind of it's kind of bold. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, as far as the um, how it charted, it was number seven on the Hot 100, but it was number one in several countries. Yeah, this definitely had a more. I'm sure this uh, really appealed in the European market. Well, like we talked about with uh, on the Nile Rogers, the Rogers and Edwards episode. Disco didn't die yeah. outside of America. It died in America, America but yeah. not outside of America. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's still popular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well into the 80s, well into the 90s. I tell you, I'm, I'm going to look right now. It was probably number one in Italy. Had to be. Of course it was. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, disco is forever in Italy. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know. So, um,. That was, yeah, the lead single off Confessions on a Dance Floor. And, uh, yeah, all right. So, with this next one, this is my second honorable mention, but it is also Ben's number five. Nice. And so, this is uh, Take a Bow. And we have an ad. Dang it. <laughs> uh, but Take a Bow is, yeah, my second honorable mention. Ben's number five. Yeah. Um, co-written and background vocals the from uh, the incomparable Kenneth Edmonds yes AKA also known as face face <laughs> not baby face face, face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is like that beginning is just to me that beginning is iconic yeah like as soon as I hear it I know it um it's just, man, it's just so good. Um, yeah, this is such a really good song. It's, it's beautifully written, of course, you know, by one of my favorite songwriters of all time and, and Babyface. Um, yeah, it's really good. And honestly, this was, in, a, in another list, this could be number two. Like, it's really, because yeah. now hearing it again, I'm like, damn, such a good like, song. It's, it's really, it's... It's really good. Um, and it's unlike anything. Well, this album really was unlike anything she'd done in her career. Yeah, I think with Bedtime Stories, it was it was more R&B. Yeah. Um, who did she work with on Bedtime Stories? You know, this is um, Fifi she, Dobson's favorite album of hers. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, me either. <laughs> um, uh, she worked with Dallas Austin. Dallas Austin. Uh, Michelle Adegio Cello, yeah. R. Kelly, the pre the uh, aforementioned face, and uh, Herbie Hancock, face, and also um, wait, is he black? Is Nellie Hooper black? I don't know. Let's look that up. 
She worked with no. him on the album. He's not black? No. Okay. But he is British. So he probably thinks he's black or loves black music. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, she also sampled She also sampled an Isley Brothers song on the album. Yeah. And, uh, oh, R. Kelly got credit because she sampled an Aaliyah song on another. Uh, and, and the Gap Band yeah. on the same song. <laughs> but um, with this song, like, th- it, this was a number one hit. Mm-hmm. And it was a song that you would think uh, this song should have gone to if people who were, I think, critics of the song, I'm just guessing, would have wanted it to go to Whitney Houston. I wouldn't be surprised. I could I could hear Whitney Houston or, because, I mean, this is not an insult to, to Madonna. She's not the best singer. But she's a singer with a recognizable voice. It's not a great voice, but it's recognizable. And yeah, like the way we talk about like, oh, this artist could have done this better. Yeah, Whitney Houston probably could have really killed this song, but you can't go higher than number one, so. And also with this, uh, she hasn't done too many ballads. Mm -mm. Uh, And this was at a time she was trying to tone down her image. This this was after... um, her book, the book, the sex book. Erotica? <laughs> well, the book was called Sex. Sex, okay, yeah. The the movie Body of Evidence, okay. which is awful. I didn't even... What, what, like, it, it doesn't... It, it, it It's just so completely illogical. Um, and uh, this is after the album Erotica. What the hell is this? <laughs> and this was after the her David Letterman appearance, I think. Willem uh, Dafoe was in this? Yeah. Andrew and more? Yeah. I've never heard of this movie. <laughs> uh, she tried to do a ballad before for the song, the song I'll Remember from the film With Honors, which she wrote with Patrick Leonard and Richard Page from Mr. Mister. Uh, and she won a, it was nominated for a Grammy and a Golden Globe, that song. But trying to do ballads, trying to tone down her image, yeah. uh, she she found the right person. Yeah, she, to she work paid her here. Yeah, yeah. So that is um, my second honorable mention and Ben's number five. I remember her looking very good in this video too. This was the video. Yeah, with this the was with the bullfighter. Yeah. Uh, who was there? Someone was the bullfighter a familiar face? Yeah, Emilio Munoz. Emilio Munoz. Munoz. I cannot say that, but yes. Who is an actual bullfighter? Yes. So yeah, um, so we'll get to my um, my number five. Number five, <clears throat> and this is from uh, I think this is from the movie she did, "Desperately Seeking Susan." I'll have to check. Uh, but this is um, there's an ad. Um, <laughs> I'm playing these from YouTube, of course. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Uh, it is. This is from Like a Virgin as well. And you can dance for inspiration. Um, this is Into the Groove. Come on. I didn't uh, know she was in. A, she really tried to be everything, huh? Oh yeah. Well, no, this was this was for the movie Desperately Seeking Susan. I was right. So on the reissue of Like a Virgin, it was included, but this was originally on the soundtrack. 
uh, co-written with Stephen Bray, um, who I uh, talked about before with, uh, she was in the band The Breakfast Club. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she dated Stephen Bray. And another time she dated the lead singer. I forget his name. I know he was Gordon Goose in that uh uh, that uh, not Mother Goose, Gordon. Yeah, Gordon Goose in Mother Goose's Rock and Rhyme special. Oh, Remember that? Man, yes, I do. Yeah, he played Gordon Goose, and what's weird is that I watched that so many times as a kid, and he was the only face I didn't recognize, <laughs> and he's the lead character. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was in the he's the lead singer of the band The Breakfast Club. But anyway, um, oh man, that's. Whew. That's, this is back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just one of her many up-tempo pop songs uh, that, yeah. that I enjoy. Uh, this would also be considered in the freestyle genre. Mm. Not freestyle as far as rapping, yeah. but freestyle as far as like, um, I guess it's also called Latin hip hop, depending on where yeah. you live. But yeah. Uh, the song sounds more happy than some of those songs. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, Billboard honored this as the dance single of the decade. Oh, wow. So the dance single of the 80s. And um, uh, also uh, mixed by Shep Pettibone. Yeah, I was looking at that. Who, uh, one of the, I would say one of the unsung Mixers and yeah. and DJs of the eighties. A lot of stuff in the eighties. You look a lot of a lot of eighties songs, especially if they're up tempo. You would see the Shep Pettibone mix. Yeah, y- y- yes. But and, but that's the version that's actually the single. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he did a. Uh, you heard the song "Valerie" by Steve, Steve Winwood. Yeah, the original version, mm-hmm. but the one that came out later that decade was by him. <laughs> was Shep, Bo- Shep Pettibone's remix. Yeah. So, yeah. I want to know who played the piano on this now, this, this keyboard solo. Um, I don't know. It does not say here. Yeah, I'll find that out. I got I got discogs. I'll find that out later. Okay. Uh, This song charted at... Uh, it was not on the official Billboard charts, Uh, but it was number one of the dance club charts and um, it went gold in four countries so yeah I, I remember this from the I've never even seen the movie Desperately Seeking Susan I have no idea what it's about but I just know it had Madonna in it that's all I know about it alright Ben uh, what tell us about your number Four. Well, I get it queued up. Um. So I think, if I remember correctly, this might be one of the first songs I truly fell in love with. Um, it was "Borderline" by Madonna. Um. I I want to think I saw it on a VH1 special, and they played it, and they billed it as like her first big major single. Um, and I remember my sister knowing this song because she said that was before Madonna went crazy, which I guess 90s era Madonna is what black folks consider going crazy. I don't know. But um, yeah, I love this song. It's just, 
it I don't know like it just it has the style of you watching the video and, and no oh, okay um I'm reading that the song was is written was written by uh Reggie Lucas and produced by Reggie Lucas and her then boyfriend John Jellybean Benitez from the Breakfast Club I, I don't think he was in the Breakfast oh, no he wasn't Club. okay I thought he was for a second um Yes, this this song is so it has like the same type of um, a lot of her songs kind of had this thing where like she would play the chorus and then she played this like phrasing after the chorus that kind of would extend it a little bit. It was very prevalent in a lot of her early songs, but I feel that this song did it the best, and I just love this song for it. And I've always planned on trying to do a cover of this song. Um, because I like it that much. I tried covering it a couple of times in college and never really worked out that well. But I love this song to death. It's just such a good song. And I think this was, let me see, was this her first big single? Yeah, this came out in 1984. Talking to the mic, Ben. Um, Please. <laughs> Hold on. You can't hear me over here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, this just is one of my favorite songs by her. It's such a good song. And um, yeah, Borderline. Keep on pushing my love to the borderline. See, okay, so I've not heard these songs. Duffy covered it. Jody Watley covered it. The Counting Crows. Are you looking at my covers playlist? No, I'm looking at um, on the Wikipedia page. Oh. I've heard her, so that she she does a punk rock version of it now, which I can't stand. Um, Let's see, like who do I have as far as my covers playlist? I have Jody Watley and Show Off on the Punk Goes Pop yeah, compilation. Yeah, I like that one. It was my favorite from the first. It was on the first Punk Goes Pop. <laughs> Show Off, which was funny because that was a band that was signed to Maverick Records. Mm. Yeah, so they probably did it <laughs> as a favor to her. They're like, yeah, 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 we'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, you will cover the songs from my catalog, <laughs> from the play, from the Maverick Records, from the Maverick Records catalog. <laughs> I want, I want Borderline in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's look at how it charted here on the Hot 100. It went to number ten. Uh, so was this the breakout single? Because I keep for I a long time I thought this it. was the very first single. I still I'm seeing it before other songs, as far as like how they were released. Because like Lucky on... Star, um, Lucky Star was a big hit as well. Yeah, I'm uh, seeing that Borderline Holiday. was the last one released. Is what it says, but everybody, I'm, I, uh, well, maybe, maybe, uh everybody was the kind of the breakout that well at least what got her signed or mm-hmm. or got her on her way but borderline i remember i for a long time i thought this was like the first her first single ever yeah me too might be some revisionist history here <laughs> <laughs> all right so that was your number four, four so yeah. my number four um and we have an ad it'll be just a moment comes from Ray of Light. Ah, number two on, uh, from Ray of Light. <laughs> Not the last, I'm sure. <laughs> and this is Frozen. 
This was just outside of my top. This was just outside of. Um, I, I again, I love the production on this. It's haunting, <laughs> and I love it's that. haunting. It's eerie. Um, just the different, the different sounds I hear on it, along with the strings, um, and uh, I don't remember seeing the video. Oh, the video's creepy. She's got all the black on, and yeah, it's such a creepy video. Uh, co-written by Madonna and Patrick Leonard, of course. Co-produced with William Orbit. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the, the the video premiering on TRL, and um, yeah, there's a lot of black and blue. The, yeah. the colors I remember from it. And she's like floating in like a black dress. It's just it's a it's as haunting as the song itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reading from like what some music critics said. Uh, it's a, it stands out from the album and it's defined as cinematic I yeah. would agree with that um, this is described as electronica from the electronica genre um, yeah there were some special effects with it as well right mm-hmm. uh, in a desert but yeah I remember a lot of black and blue from the movie um, and it was a song that it gave you for people who listen to the album beginning to end it was kind of that break to where it's not something you exactly dance to Mm-mm. or maybe interpretive dance <laughs> you might do interpretive <laughs> dance or something like this um but but i liked how like the it wasn't like a it wasn't a straight ahead pop song Mm-mm. uh it was very experimental uh and it came along in the time of, you know, people who were, I heard a, a, something by Portishead yeah. or Morchiba mm-hmm. or, uh, or Zero Seven. Mm, I haven't heard from them in a minute. This song reminds me of those like trip hop groups mm-hmm. as well. And with our experimenting with that, uh, it's just a song I was, I was just drawn to. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, my favorite part of this yeah. song is the big string breakdown. Um, probably one of the greatest moments in all of pop music, period. Not even just for her, out her catalog. Like, it's just, it's, it's really beautiful, just the way it's done. Uh, also with this, um, on Entertainment Weekly, and they did this in August of this year, mm-hmm. this song was listed as her 18th best single. Just 18, y'all? This should be much higher than that. It's Entertainment Weekly. They, I put them along with Rolling Stone <laughs> and uh, Pitchfork. Oh, they don't like anything. And this song charted, this reached number two. It was held out of the number one spot by Casey and JoJo's All My Life. Curse them. <laughs> <laughs> so is this the part where she's doing like all the weird stuff? Yeah. Yeah, this, this was a beautiful I, I video. Think, I feel like it was. All right, so that is my number four. So, Ben, tell us about your number three. So we're going to go for something completely different, and it is Cherish. Um, This is just a fun, upbeat song 
dance pop, but with more live instrument feels. So this was, um, I wrestled with this one and Like a Prayer because both have bass lines that I really, really, really like that really drive the song for me. And um, this is a song that kind of just is it is driven by the bass line. And um, it's just a good song. I don't know. It's just like, this is like a feel-good song. Like, I'm pretty sure this is, I've put this song, Leaving Work, and just driving and just like, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. Uh, this is from the album Like a Prayer. Which is a really, really good album. Yeah. It's just so bouncy, man. It's just, and of course, written by Madonna and, and Patrick Leonard. Patrick Leonard. Still will not be his last time on this list. Nope, surely won't. He is her version of um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Like, they just, she goes to him, and he has probably made so much money from her. Because, <laughs> like, if you're splitting it you're splitting it 50-50, oh, yeah, you're making money. Just the way that, it's just so, it's, there's nothing complicated about it either. It's just, it carries that song, that low end. Um... The yeah, it was inspired by the Romeo and Juliet, I guess. Yeah, I guess the the, the lighter side of that play. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this song reached number two on the Hot 100, and um, in the video there were some mermen. The, the, the background dancers were dressed as vermin. <laughs> <laughs> I should really know who played on on most of these um, records. Because I know they auditioned a lot of bass players to play on these records. Because um, now to, re- to realize that this was on Like a Prayer, um, this probably was when she really started paid. Uh, okay, yeah, personnel musicians. Yeah, who played bass on this? Uh, All right, this was track six and it doesn't have it by track uh it could it be jeff Picaro? he played drums on something jeff Picaro played drums randy jackson he played bass on something those are the names i recognize yeah guy pratt and randy jackson played bass on this record but it doesn't list which ones what they played on um jeff Picaro, man god that guy gone too soon you do it all man man jeff Picaro was the man Jeff Carl was the man. Just, just give it up for Jeff Carl. <laughs> it was probably him on this track. I, we're just guessing. Um, I was look, I was looking at uh, you know, on Spotify. You can look at their profile or their little biography, or whatever, and they yeah. have pictures. Who was at the front of some of these pictures of Toto? Jeff Carl. Yeah. He, he wasn't the lead singer. He was no. the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> he was. He was really good. He though. was the face of that band for yeah. for a good while. What did Prince produce on this record? Because he's listed as a producer. Uh, love song she co-wrote with Prince, it looks like. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So, yeah, that is um, your number three. So, my number three also comes from Ray of Light. <laughs> um, hey, look, man, that album's good, man. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do an episode. Mark our words. We're gonna do yeah. an episode about this album. Uh this was the second single 
from Ray of Light, but it is the title track. Um, I like that the song was so fast. Um, I like the, the video with the, um, was it long exposure or the trying to oh, find it in the background? Yeah. It's like, yeah. A, if it was a still photo, it's long exposure, but yeah, it's got the quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I just like the, I like the way it sounded. I was, I think this was, um, at time I was listening to a little bit more. Uh, EDM techno type music. Yeah, that, really back then didn't it was know called really techno. What it was. <laughs> uh, but it was kind of like understated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I liked about the song. Um, as a, a, a kind of a warm feeling, it doesn't feel as alienating. Um, yeah, this song. Yeah. This reminds me of high school. Uh, co-written by Madonna, William Orbit, Clive Muldoon, Dave Curtis, and Christine Leach. And uh, this is another one of the songs inspired by Becoming a Mother. Nice. Uh, she was interested in Eastern mystic- mysticism and... Uh, I think she made Kabbalah popular for about 15 minutes. Yeah, I heard of Kabbalah <laughs> because of her. <laughs> um, and it's one of those it's one of those songs to where if you if this was played live in a concert, like it's you I think there would be almost a tribal feeling. Mm-hmm. I wonder I don't so I don't know how she did it back on tour back then. Now she plays it with like live instruments cuz at this point, I imagine after 30-something-odd years of playing the same songs over and over again, you want to change it up. So, like, she, yeah. like I said, with Borderline, she plays it in a punk rock style. Now she plays this with live instruments. So, like, but I can only imagine, like, back then, it probably turned into a rave. Like, it probably got, like, you know. Oh, yeah. The, the, the song spells rave, but, like, a chill rave. Yeah. <laughs> Someone probably, like, put this under your tongue, man. Like. Um, this was one of those TRL staples yes Um, was during TRL's heyday man yeah Uh, on the Hot 100 it charted at number 5 and it won it won a Grammy for best dance recording and best short form music video so guys check out the video it was also nominated for record of the year this album won album of the year though, didn't it? No. It did not? I thought it did. I don't think it yeah, it didn't win album of the year. It won a lot of Grammys though. I know that much. It won four Grammys, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, it didn't win album of the year. It won uh Best Pop Album, Best Recording Package, that's different. Okay. 1999. It lost to the mid of Lauren Hill. Words like, you weren't going to beat that. <laughs> you weren't going to beat oh, that. Oh, and consider what else, because this is my, yeah, this is my last ray of light entry. Um, <laughs> what else was in that category that year? The Globe Sessions. 
version 2.0 by Garbage. And come on over by Shania Twain. The monster. That's that's on an upcoming episode too. That was a monster of an album. The Globe Sessions. That got nominated for album. What else was on there? There goes neighborhood. My favorite mistake. Anything but down. I think that's her weakest album. The Globe Sessions. Huh. That's weird. Version 2.0. I don't know if that's aged well. I don't know either. I oh, really shit. feel like it has it. Paranoid special when I grow up. Especially since they haven't really done much. <laughs> no. But then again, I, th- I think they'd be a band, not to get too far off topic, I think they'd be a band that'd be really popular now since they were so electronic. They'd be huge now. As a matter of fact, they might not even fall in the rock genre. You know, tune the guitars a little bit, you know, pull them back a bit. You're a pop band, essentially. <laughs> I mean, that's what they were. I mean, like, credit to Butch Vig um, for doing what he was able to do with that band. All right, Ben, number two. <clears throat> Excuse me. Number two is, um, so these last two sing- songs that are on my number two are not only songs, my two favorite songs by Madonna, but um, songs that I feel that are two of, um, well, not two of the best songs of all time, but like in the pantheon of greatest songs of all time, I do feel that they, they fall in that. And this one is uh, What It Feels Like for a Girl. Um, so this this song really for me is just like you know when you listen to it like you, I don't expect deep from Madonna mm. I don't expect a song about like so she has songs where they're like oh yeah this was a liberating song but like this is actually a song where you actually you sit back you listen to the lyrics like especially that opening which I believe came from um, uh, it was the Cement Garden the Cement Garden Charlotte you know, Gainsbourg you know, talking about like, you know, you want to know what it feels like to be a girl. And it's just like, that's what the whole song is like. Like what what it feels like for a girl. It's like, it's got all these good things about it. And then it counters it in the second half. Like, well, actually there's this, this, and this too, that you don't know about what it feels like for a girl in this world. And it's just like, damn it. <laughs> you, know, what, you know, you don't want to think when you're listening to a Madonna song, but that's what she did here. And it's kind of a standout track from that music album which you know of course she's moving in a more electronic electronic direction and then you have this song and even for like the video she remixes it and it's electronic the video is not this version of the song it's a more sped up electronic version and it's got her like being really violent and doing all these crazy things and then all of a sudden she pulls off her helmet and you see it's a woman and it's just like she's doing these things that you would not expect you assume it's a man doing these things and you know I feel like this song is more about like is more like having empathy for being a woman and the video is more like a bitch you didn't think a woman would do that like it's almost different things but this is just I just absolutely love everything about this song yeah I've said a lot <laughs> no, I, I, um, I love this song. Uh, I haven't heard this version very much. The version I do hear is the one that, with the associated with the video, yeah, the more up up tempo version. Uh, this song charted at number twenty three in America, yeah, but number one on the dance club songs. But that's probably the other, the, yeah, the remix, yeah. Uh, it was also number one in Australia. And number two in Canada. Uh, there's, like you said, it's off the music album, co-written by Guy Sigsworth, 
who has worked with who worked with Seal, Bjork, Britney Spears, Imogen Heap, yeah. uh, David Sylvian, Alanis Morissette, and also David Torn, uh, who is known for his looping techniques with electronic and acoustic instruments. The song was also done on Glee. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll get to my number two um, associated with one of the first movies I remember being like really funny to me. Um, and I didn't see the first installment of the series. Uh, this is Beautiful Stranger. I like this song. <laughs> From the Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me soundtrack, which is the second one. I've never seen any of these those movies. I've seen the second and the third one. The third one had Beyonce. Okay, is um, Foxy Cleopatra. Foxy Cleopatra, yes. It, it wasn't. It wasn't that good. Not her fault. <laughs> it was just the phenomena of the second one with Mini Me. Oh, so Minimi was not in the first one? No, he was in the okay. second one. Okay. But because of all of that... It's hard to follow up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never seen the movies I know about Minimi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with this one, I like that it's... It kind of has her ray of light sound mm-hmm. if it was in the 60s. Mm, I like that. I like that. It sounds, it sounds very 60s. That's what um, I liked about it at first. Uh, this is her final single of the decade of the 90s, <laughs> uh, co-written with William Orbit, of course. Uh, she also won a Grammy for the uh, for best song written for visual media. So basically the best song for TV or movie. Um yeah, that's why I like it's, it's it's just I like that it sounds like a '60s song with uh with '90s technology. Um, so yeah, it's also considered psychedelic pop, and uh, yeah, just a kind of a progression from Ray of Light, um, like the the last the last bit of that. I like the drums too. Yeah, that's what that's what really makes it sixty sound like a sixty yeah. song. I like I do like the guitar in this, um, and I just love the I love the 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 chord progression in the uh, verses. Like it kind of sits on that one bass note, but then like the guitar kind of you know it just inver- I, I I do like that a lot. I forgot about I forgot about this song, and I did I did love this song. The video was very funny too because you know Austin Powers is in it. So yeah, or got Michael Myers. Michael Mike Myers. Myers. Yeah, Mike Myers. Not Michael Myers. Michael Myers was the murderer. <laughs> um, I always thought this was on Ray of Light too, though, but I guess not. Okay. No. Uh, and how did this chart? It was number 19 on the Hot 100, but it was number one in Iceland, Finland, and Canada. You know what song? You know what single came out after this, right? The single that shall not be named. <laughs> the first, her first single of the two thousands. Yeah, her Voldemort. 
<laughs> Saying its name is bad luck. Yeah, we're, we're not even going to talk about it. All right, Ben. Was he dead? Because if not, that might have killed him. <laughs> the singer of Don McLean. Is he still alive? I, 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 I think he's still with us. He is? He's one of those yeah, people you he, got to wonder. Still, he, he's still in the league. Okay, and he that didn't take him. All right, so he's a he's a fighter. <laughs> he's a fighter. All right. All right, Ben. Number one. So this was an easy. Um, this has always been my favorite Madonna song and one of my favorite songs of all time. It is "Live to Tell" by Madonna. Um, I believe it was from the soundtrack at Close Range. Um, yeah. I never saw that movie, although I did try. Well, it was also an album, True Blue. So let me let me say that too. But it was in the um, it was from the soundtrack for the movie At Close Range, starring Gary Oldman and um, Sean Penn. Have you seen Have you seen the movie? Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, not Gary Oldman. Jeez, Christopher Walken and Sean Penn. It is based on a true story. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I tried watching the movie in college, and just couldn't get into it um, because. You know, back then, of course, if it was in the soundtrack, they would slice in um, pieces of the film in the video, and they put enough in it to make it look interesting. And I wanted to watch it. It just, and maybe I'll try and watch it again. But like back then, it just did not interest me. Yeah. So, but you said you've never seen it. Okay. Are you, are you watching the video? No. Okay, I thought you. Were- <laughs> um. This was, uh, I guess, it was significant for the the toned down look. I get this. I guess this happens a couple of times. Like it seems like she goes off the deep end aesthetically, mm-hmm. and then tries to bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her look was inspired by Marilyn Monroe for the video. Um, this song. Now I had heard this song before. Mm-hmm. Okay. But this song was featured on an episode of Cold Case. <laughs> <laughs> I almost feel like that's there's like a, a like a 30 percent chance that every song that is played is like yeah yeah Cold Case, like yeah. Did you say there's Third Eye Blind on Cold Case? No. No, I thought there was. Never mind. I don't think there were. Uh, I don't think any of their songs were on there. Uh, I think this might have been the only Madonna song. Okay. Um, I think because because I know it was like the first season. It was a first season episode to where they were just spending money left and right to use some songs, and they're like, okay, we got to dial it back. What's less expensive songs we can use? Is this so? It doesn't look like it's on Netflix, but I want to watch this show because you got to go to um, YouTube, uh-huh. um, and maybe you'll find some stuff. Because it's not going to be on Netflix. Okay. It's not. It's not on DVD. Because of all the money that was spent on music, they didn't get the rights to put it on DVD or streaming. Oh, so it's never been released on on. It's in reruns. It's in syndication. Oh man, that sucks. It's not streaming online or on DVD anywhere. I see some people like I thought I bought the the entire series on DVD. Like, because <laughs> oh, they didn't have the rights to the music. That sucks. Okay, guess I'm gonna try and find it then. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But um, I, so I don't know who played guitar on this song, but like many of the songs that I do like by Madonna, I do love the guitar playing on this song. Bruce Gaged. 
I'm not familiar with him. And of course, the song was co-written with Patrick Leonard. Patrick Leonard. Yes, the man, <laughs> uh, the myth, the legend. Um, but yeah, it's just such a it's just such a pretty song. Um, I just got I, I love it. It's I, I had a rule with this list. I was like, it has to be something that I've listened to. If it's in my top five, they listen to at least regularly by Madonna. And this is one of those songs I listen to at least. I I've, I probably hear this once every couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's on um, the playlist I have. This song was number one in 1986. Um, there was some synergy involved because the soundtrack or the, the movie it was featured in was with her then husband, Sean Penn. Oh, yeah, they were together. This guy played with Peter Cetera. I don't know how I feel about him now. <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, it's from the album True Blue. Yeah. Of course. So there you go. All right. So my number one. Um, I am comfortable enough with myself to like this song. Okay. So anybody who has something to say. Um, doesn't bother me. <laughs> My favorite song by Madonna, and it might it might be number two tomorrow, but still, it's going to be my top five always, and that is, and after the ad, <laughs> of course, uh, it's Vogue. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Um, <laughs> what's funny is that this is on the soundtrack to Dick Tracy. Was it really? The I'm Breathless, which is the soundtrack to Dick Tracy. Was she in Dick Tracy? I've never yeah. seen that movie. I haven't either. That's uh, Warren Beatty, right? Was in Warren that? Beatty. Okay. Yeah. I think she dated him for like five minutes. Who did she not date? <laughs> did she date Dennis Rodman? Yeah, for about five more minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, you know what? Power to you. Have fun. <laughs> what I liked about this, and as I've gotten older... I don't remember the song as far as like when it was first out, mm-hmm. but as I've gotten older, what I like about this song is um, the house music sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people may say she appropriated the Vogue culture, the Voguing culture. What is the Voguing culture? Or the uh, uh, what is it called? I need I need to pull it up. I, I want to get this right. Um, well, the well, yeah, well, the the house ball, the Harlem house ball community, okay. basically. Uh, for anyone who's watched the show Pose, I don't know if that was canceled or not. I don't have cable, so I don't know if it was still in the, if it's still in the air or not. But it's it's kind of a, a song that was kind of indicative of that time. And voguing is the dance. Okay. And it ends up being the song here. Oh, fun fact: the song was written, co-written by Madonna and Chef Pettibone. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um. But yeah, I like the 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 house. The house music sound of it, uh, whether it's the they use elements from New York house or if it's Chicago house or if it's uh, I felt like the chord progression was Detroit 
mm-hmm. which is her hometown. So it all comes together. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just um, it's that all together. Yeah. Uh, and no matter yeah. and no matter who you were, when this song came out in 1989, 1990, mm-hmm. and you saw what voguing was. Everyone did that at one point at another one point or another. Yeah. Someone tried you tried to do that dance in the mirror or out in public, whatever. No, I, yeah, this Yeah, I, I did, yeah. <laughs> Every everyone's done that. Yeah, no, this this is a it's, this is a good song and I think like so when you when you get a song like this and you get a video like this, it shows cause she has a dancing background. Yeah. So it shows her dancing background. And so I'm not surprised that she would want to use what was in vogue, no pun intended, at the time. You know, like this, this, this was one of those songs that like kind of helped bring it to the. I mean, maybe this is like you know, if anything, a, a hint of what's to come later with the ray of light. You know, experimenting with EDM type music, with house music, which is essentially a type of EDM. Um, which everyone always would tell me like, yeah, you like you like house, I'm like yeah, I like house. Like, like you're less masculine if you like house, but I like house and I like this song for having a house beat in it. Um, Shep Pettibone gets uh, credit for adding the piano, uh, okay. the piano to the the piano to the track. Um, of course, the, the the her famous her famous bars. Yes, Jali's <laughs> Madonna bars. Telling me back then everybody could rap. Everybody. Everyone was allowed to rap. Yeah. And there was no there was no issue with it. Um And I, I don't know if he gets credit or where it came from, but another thing I'm drawn to as far as house music song is if you have piano on it. Yeah. Just the me juxtaposition too. of all the drum programming with an instrument. Yeah, that's why I loved um Good Vibrations by Marky Mark. House beat with some piano, with piano, piano solos, like, <laughs> two of them. Yeah, but no, I, I do like that. If you have a house song, there needs to be some piano in there. And that's the end of the song. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that completes our because five. Um, yeah, it, it could change next week, but mm-hmm. uh, that was enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll get to my earworm of the week. So, uh, Ben, you have heard of the group DeBarge. Yes, I have. Uh, this is not a song by DeBarge. Oh, okay. <laughs> technically. But the lead singer, Bobby DeBarge, mm-hmm. was lead singer of a song of a, of a band called Switch that was signed to Motown. Okay. And I first heard the song. It was like a trap remix of the song. Uh, with one of the, with those dance videos where you see the people dancing, and the person with the camera is just like moving it side to side, and whenever they do one dance or when they jump or something and land, the guy with the camera also like jumps and lands with them, so it shakes. <laughs> you see a lot of those videos. Yeah. So there was one video I saw to where it was a trap remix of this song by. By switch and it's called there there will never there there will but it's there will never be 
All right. So um, I'm trying to find the radio edit because it it kind of it's kind of a long intro. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Here we go. The single version. Here we go. All right. So. Uh. We'll play that. This was like it said. There's a van signed to Motown, and then uh, DeBarge, as the the group was signed later, and Bobby DeBarge helped produce their first album or two uh, before he. Um, it's kind of a, a tragedy. It is a tragedy. Uh, he later died of uh, of AIDS. Oh, that's, um, okay. I saw that he died, but I didn't see how. And now I yeah. do. Wow. Uh, but he, his singing style. That's where El DeBarge, like, kind of, that's, the influence comes from his older mm, brother. Okay. So, okay. yeah. And this, and this is a song, I believe, it was written when Bobby DeBarge was 19 years old. So, hear about how this was put together. Um, I feel like it's pretty amazing. So, mm-hmm. this is There'll Never Be by Switch, and we'll be right back. That is There'll Never Be by Switch. And you can find that on our BTT YHT Airworms playlist right now. Yeah, this sound, I, I've heard this before. I just I don't know where, but I've heard this before. I think the video I was talking about is also on the up next here from. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the video I was talking about. <laughs> It's the video I was talking about. Uh, I just want to play it real quick. 
So there you go. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, that's bring that brings us to the end. This is the end. All right. So Ben, can you tell the people where we can be found? Yes, I can, because I must. Um, so if you're listening to us, you know, you know, as you always say, thank you for listening to us. Uh, we're not on Facebook Live today, but we are sometimes on Facebook Live. So check us out if you're ever there. Um, if you want to find our Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. If you want to check out our website, you can check us out at www.bythetimeyouhearthis.com. Um, if you want to check us out on the gram, as they say, that's Instagram for the older folks who may not actually know what the gram is and might think we're talking about like money gram or something. I don't know. Um, you can check us out at by the time you hear this. Now, the website and the Facebook page are spelled with the letter, or not the letter, with the word Y-O-U, as in by the time Y-O-U hear this. Yes. The um, Instagram as well as our email address at gmail.com are spelled with the letter U, and that is because... We're under the control of the... <laughs> <laughs> you are now under the control of the Democratic Party. <laughs> Because um, we is urban. If your name is House, you are under the control of the Democratic <laughs> government. So, um, Dr. House, what's his first name? Gregory. Greg, Gregory, Gregory House, House yeah. is under the control of the Democratic Party. But more seriously, yeah, but um, yeah, so yeah, because we're urban and that really just stands for we're black. Although I might start, well, no, because we're not really ethnic. So it's not like we, you know, we're not like, um, you're not like Gregory. Um, I can't think of a really ethnic sounding last name. Like Greg Matumbo or something? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> ethnic sounding. They'd be like, if you got signed up like Greg, you know, great first name, but you know, we gotta do something about the last name, you know. It sounds a little ethnic. Um, we gotta see what we can change that to. Um you know <laughs> Can we call you Greg M, you know? Otherwise <laughs> <laughs> like I saw this um because someone wanted to make a point about actors auditioning for yeah. films and TV and stuff, and uh, it was—I think the the guy who came up with the idea—he was Latino, and he's auditioning some white people for a role, mm-hmm. and they they read the lines and like, okay, um, good good first try there. Let's try <laughs> it again, but could you be more white? <laughs> oh God. So he's saying this to white people. They're like, what do you what 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 do you mean? You know, just more white. White it up, you know, like you know, mayonnaise sandwich. I don't know if he said that, but (laughs) Yeah. For people who don't know though, look up some of your favorite artists. You know, you probably didn't know that Madonna's last name was Chicone. They probably said Oh, that's that's a little ethnic. Uh, you're just gonna be Madonna. <laughs> I can be Madonna G. Mm, you're just Madonna. Madonna. Just Madonna. Like Cher. You're just Madonna. <laughs> and for a long time, I didn't think that was that was her real first name. What Madonna? Madonna. Yeah, they probably thought that sounded a little ethnic too. But like, we can sell we can sell that. The thing with Cher, isn't her first name like Sherilyn? I don't know. Yeah, Sherilyn. Sherilyn Sarkeesian. You know Sherilyn. Oh, yeah, it had Sarke- to be. Yeah, they're good. that's it. <laughs> I, saw, I was looking at Randy Travis um, earlier. Randy Trawick. Got to change that, buddy. They ain't going to say Trawick. Sounds mm-hmm. a little too ethnic. 
That's what happens. Yeah, country <clears throat> singer. Yeah. Yeah, they can't go there. Introducing Randy Trewick. Boo. <laughs> He's like, I gotta shorten that, man. I gotta shorten that. And he took he took a name that would be associated like like a, like a name that would be associated with just like some country, some dude from Texas. This, yeah. Travis. Randy you know, Travis. Like some dude named Travis. Where's he from, actually? It might he's be North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. Same thing. Same, yeah. same thing applies. Some dude. <laughs> some dude. This is what we do. We just, yeah, we get on these, these rabbits. <laughs> but they're fun. But they're fun. But yeah, so we're we're urban, but not ethnic. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you want to listen to us on the go, um, you can check us out on iTunes, which is probably the easiest way to find us. If you've got an iPhone, um, that their iTunes, um, the podcast app is really easy to find stuff. So... Um, check us out there. You can also check us out on Google Music. Cause that's little the orange triangle. Cause they've got like several. You're not gonna just find us anywhere. You gotta go to Google Music. Um, you can also hear us on uh, Podomatic. Yeah, that's yes. correct. I, I always think something else. You can hear us on Podomatic. You can hear us on Listen Notes, Castbox, TuneIn Radio, Auto Radio, Overcast. Um, any of those podcast aggregate websites, go on there, check us out, listen to us. You know, for those who have listened to us, hey, we appreciate it. Spread the word. Um, as my um, my new favorite podcast network, Parcast, says, if you want to support the show, go and leave us a five star rating. It's not. It seems simple, but it really helps us out. Yes. So, um, yeah. So you know. And then to quote my other, one of my other favorite podcasts, if you leave anything less than five stars, we're going to think you're a hater. Mm-hmm. Plain as simple as that. We're going to think you're a hater. So, um, But for those who have been you know, listening and supporting us, we do appreciate you. Uh, I made a mistake earlier. I, I said she could have been Madonna G. Uh, it's actually with a C. Chaconi. So Madonna C. Yeah, Madonna C. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, and there there's a there's a thing I guess I don't know if just black women do this nowadays, but you know you hear someone like someone's name is something Nicole or mm-hmm. something Diamond, something Marie. Yeah. Um, Madonna couldn't do that with her middle name. Nah. Louise. Yeah. Nah, that that, is, that would not have fly that 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 does not fly as a pop star. That but, is why Marilyn Monroe changed her name from Norma Jean. Norma Jean. To mm. Marilyn Monroe, yeah, <laughs> that like uh, Norma Jean, uh, you're Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tara Patrick, uh, you're Carmen Electra now. <laughs> Even though there was adult film actors name, there Tara was, Patrick. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Carmen Electra now, thanks to Prince, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what should we end the show with? Starlight. Was that on? That wasn't on either one of our lists, was it? No. Okay. Let me get that queued up. <laughs> heavy synth on those early albums. Heavy synth. Was it was the eighties? That was, yeah, that was the that was the thing at the time, though. So I mean, she was just doing what was expected of her. I'm gonna play the video version after this ad. Oh, we should have gotten the um, the um, remix with Missy. Um, the, it was a Gap commercial she did with her. Get into the groove. Do you remember that? No. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was Missy and Madonna. Because Missy can do anything. Hey, wait, let me see if I can find it. Missy's got some swag, man. Missy can do anything. Oh, 
found it. And I mean that Missy can do anything. Into the Hollywood Grove. Hollywood Groove. Yeah. I thought it said Hollywood Grove. Uh, okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. Yeah, easy, you know how it is.